Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about having a purpose, an infrastructure with purpose. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. That's on this week's show. I'm going to be doing something I've been looking to do for a few months uh, based on some work that I did for our friends over at Gestalt IT earlier in the year. Uh, we've got to spend some time with Cumulus Networks talking about their infrastructure with purpose strategy, uh, a strategy that's based around a more software driven approach to networking, uh, particularly when we're doing networking at kind of large scale at web scale. Um, so it's a, it's a really intriguing strategy and something that I wanted to explore a little bit further as part of this show. Uh, so this week I'm looking enough to get a chance to do that as I'm joined by this week's guest, uh, Pete Lumbus. Hi, Pete. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Pete. Um, and as I said, what I wanted to really explore this week was this kind of infrastructure purpose strategy. Uh, Sarah wrote some articles for Gestalt IT earlier in the year after we'd had some uh, some discussions about what that strategy was and, and kind of what it meant. Um, but before we jump into that and, and delve a little bit deeper into that topic, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, tell people about who you are, what it is you do, and what it is you guys at Cumulus Networks do. Yeah, and uh, thanks again. So I'm Pete Lumbus. I run technical marketing here at Cumulus. And uh, before people turn off the podcast because they hear the word marketing, uh, I do come from an operator background. I spent about five years in the Cisco TAC uh, as escalation for routing protocols. Um, so I, I definitely have my fair share of actual operator battle scars um, before before I left doing real work for PowerPoint. Um, <laughs> so I've been at Cumulus here about four years. Um, so here at Cumulus, we are... A network operating system that runs on data center switches, white box, bright box. So the whole idea is you can go get a switch from Dell, Mellanox, uh, HP, Lenovo, FiberStore, uh, over 100 different switches, and run our software on it. And one of the things that I love is that it keeps everybody in the marketplace open um, and honest because our software is running on a Dell switch, and if we fail to perform, well, you just run somebody else's software on it. And if Dell fails to perform, you can run our software on somebody else's switch. So for the first time ever, you really get the, those kinds of checks and balances that have been missing in the in the industry. Yeah, and I think that's a, a really important part, even just in that introduction, in that kind of um, that kind of flexibility. You know, so you know, starting to extract some of our reliance on. You know, there's no criticism of any of the kind of networking hardware vendors, but removing that reliance on almost these kind of closed ecosystems of um, a particular vendor, whoever that vendor might be, and to give us a bit more flexibility in the way that we can uh, deploy our infrastructure. Um, and when we, we spoke earlier in the year, you know, you kind of introduced me to this concept of um, infrastructure with purpose. So, um, I, you know, before we dig into what infrastructure with purpose is, you know, what, what's what was kind of the context of the networking market? You know, what, what were you guys seeing that's kind of encouraged this this different approach? I think if you look at a lot of what what network engineers are building and deploying, uh, it's a lot of just status quo, right? I don't think that we have purpose. We're not making conscious decisions behind a lot of the choices we're making in networking these days. I think we have a, a unfortunate tendency to to buy the next thing that's presented to us by our by our VAR, by our by our existing incumbent vendor. Um, you know, I I asked some folks on a couple of Slack channels and on Twitter recently. You know, when you did your last data center build out, did you did you look at anybody that wasn't an incumbent? It wasn't even me trying to sell my own product. It was just, I was curious, right? If you're an Arista shop, did you look at Juniper? If you're a Juniper shop, did you look at Cisco? And I, I got so few responses that I think it really kind of nailed home for me this idea that there isn't a lot of purpose behind our building, right? We're just, 
we're doing the default things. And at Cumulus, I think it's about saying, look, we have a bunch of choices now. And look, not every one of those choices has value. And so maybe I don't care about that choice and I want the easy button. That is absolutely fine. But wherever you have an opinion and that opinion brings you value, let's let's put purpose behind that opinion. You know, let's use the right automation tool that works for us, not the one that's the only one that works. Uh, let's monitor it the way that is ingestible and operationalized by our teams, not just the only option we have. And so I think it's about thinking hard about how we're building infrastructure, about the tools and technologies we're using, about what that implementation and design looks like, and then using that to kind of wrap it all up to build that that next generation data center. And I think that um, that idea, and, and it's interesting. Um, kind of on uh, last week's show, we uh, I, I was speaking with the, the guys over at Hammerspace who were looking at different ways of uh, delivering data over wide, uh, kind of wide geographic areas. And one of the big takeaways I, I took from that conversation was the idea of changing the way that we focus on our data infrastructure and making sure that our focus is on what we're trying to do with the data not the infrastructure and what we can do with the infrastructure and dropping data on it. And it, it sounds very similar in kind of what you're talking about there, that actually if we're going to build these infrastructures for you know for delivering what modern businesses need, the idea is more to focus on what we're trying to deliver as opposed to not necessarily limitations, but, but being restricted then perhaps by the hardware choices that we've made. You know, is, is, is that about right? I think so. And I, I think part of this, you know, I, I don't want to get into religious debates, but again, it's infrastructure does matter. You know, we've all probably done something, whether it's at home or in that very first job in networking that we had, where we ended up plugging in some sort of storage appliance or a NAS or something like that into uh, that Netgear switch. And we're like, you know, it worked really fine when there were two hosts and then I plugged in a third uh, server into it. And when I ping from the server, the backup goes from, you know, 70 megs to one. And, I think that's, again, not making conscious choices. The, the infrastructure matters, but part of our goal as network engineers, like we're plumbers, we don't want it to be visible necessarily, right? Visibility tends to be a bad thing in networking, but the only way that we accomplish that successfully is by making those conscious, purposeful choices. Yeah, and, and well, you've, you've kind of used the phrase purpose, and, and I, I did at the beginning, you know, talk about this kind of uh, concept that I, I picked up from you guys about this idea of, of infrastructure with purpose. So, you know, for, for people who, um, and I can't believe people didn't read the articles that, uh, that I wrote for Gestalt, but uh, but just let's pretend for a moment they didn't. Um, you know, did you want to explain a little bit around that kind of infrastructure with purpose strategy? You know, what, what does it mean? What, what What is infrastructure with purpose? Yeah, and I, you know, some of this was just mentioned, but it's again that idea of of making conscious choices, right? Um, let's let's build with purpose. Let's let's build something to be proud of, not just that we're settling for. Let's make sure that we're solving actual business problems as opposed to just deploying the next thing that we're frustrated with. Um, I mean, to me, that's that's kind of infrastructure with purpose in a nutshell. And of course, I've got a network bias, but I think that's end to end. You know, whether you're looking at uh, software-defined storage, whether you're looking at some sort of orchestration layer or a microservice and orchestration thing, I, I don't really care, but it's about, again, making conscious choices that move the business forward as opposed to just taking the defaults and, and making choices that don't necessarily advance the business. 
Yeah, well, what's some because um, uh, that's that's interesting. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that, that idea, you know, kind of touched on that before about the kind of conversation we'd had with the guys at Hammerspace last week around changing that focus to have a purpose around what they're doing with data. And, and it's kind of what you you just said there. You know, the idea of what's the purpose of, of what we're trying to do. So, but I mean, if you if you've got some examples of of where you've done that, you know, where um, you know, in, in terms of, of of how looking from a networking point of view, you know what what kind of purpose people are, are trying to achieve, and how you know they've needed to take this kind of shift in in thinking to achieve it. I think one of my favorite examples um, is we've taken so Cumulus Linux is Linux. We're we're a full Linux operating system running on top of a switch. Uh, when you get Cumulus Linux, it also comes with a bunch of things that we've built and we maintain and. Most of what we've open sourced it came back to the community. So that includes like a network CLI, a bunch of improvements to spanning tree. Uh, we're the lead maintainers for free range routing, which is a PGP, OSPF, and multi protocol routing stack. Uh, I saw the other day that EHRP is actually in there, uh, which is kind of funny to me. Um, but as a result, that that routing stack, free range routing, running on Cumulus, it's just a Linux app. So absolutely nothing stops you from taking that and running it on your Linux servers. So I work with a customer who's running uh, routing on the host, as we call it. They're doing BGP down to the server on every one of the servers in their data center. So there is no layer two, there is no VLANs, there's nothing anywhere. And I met with them recently. You know, and unfortunately they were running into some problems in the network and having some stability issues. Um, you know, stuff happens. Um, and I was talking to him about it and I was like, okay, but like what's, what's the business impact of this? You know, like this sounds pretty terrible. And they're like, oh, none, because we're doing routing. It's, you know, fully distributed. Uh, BGP picks up the failures and routes around it. Uh, it's really just annoying. And it's amazing that, that they've managed to make these non-default choices by taking routing, taking BGP, running it on their servers. Every single server appears with a top rack switch using some pretty simple configurations that are part of that open source software. Um, and as a result, you know, although they're hitting a bug that would otherwise be catastrophic, they haven't seen an outage in, you know, almost three years now because it's all fully distributed routing. Like their data center is a little mini internet and it's pretty rare for the internet itself to have outages. And so they're seeing the same thing in their data center. I mean, that's one of my favorite examples of where they were able to sit and think and say, you know what, we don't need VLANs. We don't need L2 extension in this case. So why don't, why don't we use the better technology instead of the default? Um, that doesn't work for everybody. I get that. Um, but I think that's one example of, look, if you can sit and think a little bit, you can really accomplish a lot. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think one of the things you've just said in there as well that um, kind of uh, kind of struck me when I was looking at this topic uh, myself was that idea, and I suppose it's so much, uh, very similar in kind of the, the way we look at a lot of technology now in that actually the way the big cloud providers deploy technology has a lot of attraction to people inside of an enterprise because you know, we want that flexibility. We want that ability to respond rapidly to change. We want, as you just said there, that ability to be able to work around a problem with 
without it necessarily affecting our, our kind of day-to-day operations. And uh, I mean, is, you know, you've seen the same kind of thing in terms of the way that people are looking at Cumulus and, and this kind of infrastructure with purposes that they they are looking and demand, because you talked at the beginning, of course, about the idea that actually the uh, stack of technology you guys have is not tied to any particular hardware. I think you said it's, it's kind of like a hundred different uh, mm-hmm. platforms that you can kind of run your software on. You know, is, is that all being driven by this idea that the customers are increasingly wanting lots and lots of flexibility in the way they deploy? You know, they don't want to be restricted by big expensive course switches because all of their environments, that might not be the case. Or like the example you've given, that actually it's just not kind of fit for purposes. You know, is, is that kind of the, a big driver that you're seeing? Absolutely. And I think it's, it's interesting that, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, what's, what's our value prop, what, what makes customers attracted to us. And, you know, one of the things is it's not one thing. It might be one thing for a customer, right? But that one thing is different for the next customer over, right? We have one customer who, if you walk into their data center, there are, you know, nine different vendors, you know, there's a yellow switch and a black switch and a green switch and a, and a blue switch, and they all run Cumulus. And what they actually do is every quarter when they buy, you know, some more gear, whether it's four switches or 10 switches or 20 switches, they actually auction off and they go, okay, Dell, HP, Supermicro, Mellanox, who's got the best price this quarter? Because they don't really care, right? To them, it's 48 ports of 10 gig and, you know, four or six ports of 100 gig and they connect it all and then it all runs cumulus and they treat it all the same. I have other customers who have a great relationship with Dell. They love Dell. They're super happy with Dell. And they'll never leave Dell, but that idea that they can get it all from Dell is extremely valuable to them. You know, another another really simple one. I have a customer who, you know, they're a Dell shop, and Dell has these these things called ready rails or speed rails, and they literally just click into the side of the switch and then click into the rack. So you don't you don't have to have any tools to do it, and so they can rack and stack a switch in like five minutes. And I was talking to them about it, and they're like. Oh yeah, unless somebody else has these speed rails, we will never ever consider another networking vendor, like another hardware vendor. And they're like, I think they were feeling a little self-conscious. They're like, that seems like a dumb reason to choose. And it's like, no, 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 you understand, like that's exactly it. Like you have changed your data center operations with like the physical operations of your data center and you're like building racks faster to deploy so that your network team can compete with AWS and continue to own and run infrastructure because of this thing. And had you not had that choice of hardware, you wouldn't have been able to purchase and select for that thing. And I I just, I don't know, something about that, I just love that story. It's so trivial, so simple, but so important to the business. Yeah, it's a great example, isn't it, of focusing on the value. The value for them is that we can rack and stack these switches real quick, and that gives us that gives us value. And even if they're paying additional money for those over, you know, in, in terms of Dell in this case, but then maybe they're paying extra for those Dell switches than they might do from vendor B, C, and D. The value of being able to just have, like you said, it seems a trivial reason, but the value to just being able to do that is huge to them. And there's something else you said in there that as well that really caught my attention was the kind of that, that example where you might go into one of your customers and you will see they will have switches from seven, eight, nine different vendors and they're just, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know, it really doesn't matter to them because actually what they're benefiting from is kind of the open networking capability that sits on top of that. You know, it's the, you know, they focused purely on what can my network software stack deliver for me, 
not being restricted by you know what can a hardware vendor do for me and i think that's a yeah i think that's a real powerful message you know and kind of fits into a lot of the conversations that i see going on now when when i'm talking to you know cios in, in different businesses that you know their focus is on agility and delivering kind of uh, you know it's it's delivering the end goal you know it's meeting the kind of the outcome as opposed to being tied too much to to hardware um so but that leads on to another question for me actually we've talked about this idea of open networking you know and, and open standards quite a lot so so can, can you explain a little bit more about that you know and, and how that kind of fits into your uh, infrastructure with purpose model yeah, I think from an open networking perspective, you know, we're not the only game in town when it comes to software. There's some other players like Big Switch or Pika 8. But again, the idea is that we're running on multiple pieces of hardware. And those hardware vendors have actually made a choice to open up a little bit. It doesn't mean that they're going to give their Switch specs, uh, you know, fully open source. Some companies like Edgecore does that. You can actually go to the Open Compute Project who's the, the foundation that oversees a lot of this open networking stuff, um, you can go to their website and you can actually see the full wiring schematics and everything. Uh, I'd actually encourage any network engineer to go take a look. You'll, you'll learn a lot about how switches are built. So Edgecore does that, but Dell doesn't. And that's no fault of Dell, right? They want to protect some of their intellectual property, but they've made a choice to partner with some of these other companies and say, hey, Cumulus through you know an NDA process, we're going to share our hardware specifications with you so that you can build device drivers to power our switch. Uh, and so that's really the idea of open networking. And although the guts of that switch, it's the same, you know, hardware, ASIC, CPUs, everything that's inside of an Arista or a Cisco, because Arista and Cisco aren't opening up those, those ASICs, you know, those schematics, I should say, uh, as I like to, I like the joke that they, they have way better lawyers than we do. Uh, so we can't run our software on them. Uh, because at the end of the day, although we are only software, we're still, you know, shaking the plus five volt line and spinning fans and flashing lights. And so we have to know exactly what register to poke and how to talk to it. And so this whole premise of open networking is that disaggregation of hardware and software so that you can pick the best, uh, best in class, best in breed, best for purpose of whatever it is you need whether that's a Mellanox versus a, a Broadcom switch, whether that's Dell versus HP, whether that's Cumulus versus Big Switch, there's, there's a bunch of choices in there that you can now make wherever you're going to derive value from it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, if, I, if I'm listening to this and I, I'm from a traditional networking background, so I'm used to switch vendor A's technology, and that's kind of how I design and build my network. And I buy some physical things and I stack them in racks, and uh, you know, I use the uh, you know the configuration tools that, that come with that. How does a cumulus network look different? Because you know, you guys don't make switches. You know, you you are a, a software stack. So, you know, what what does a what does a cumulus networks networking stack look like? You know, I, the line that I've been using recently is, you know, we're, we're built for cloud and web scale, but really we have an eye and an understanding of enterprise operators. And so I also use the, the Marie Kondo line, like, if this choice doesn't spark joy, then don't make it. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, when customers like to ask, like, what piece of hardware should I buy? Well, who do you buy service from? Like, if you don't care... It's all basically the same. You know, it's, again, the, the exact same hardware that's in an Arista. Some of these switches actually get made in some of the same manufacturing facilities. Um, and so there isn't, there isn't really a whole lot of difference at the hardware side uh, on how these operate. And so it just comes down to the software. And so where do you have 
opinions, we will help you make those. And if you don't have opinions, we'll, we'll give you some easy choices. But now that I have Cumulus, I'm running it on a switch. Uh, we are Linux. We make the switch look like a 48 port Linux server. Everything that you use on Linux, uh, whether those are traditional Linux commands or Linux tools, or you know whether that's like a salt or a puppet agent or an on-box monitoring agent, all of those work. But like myself, I'm a, I'm a double CCIE coming from a networking background. Uh, Linux is a four-letter word. Uh, that's, that's pretty terrifying. So we also have a full CLI. Uh, you know, the, everything starts with the word net, tab completion, question mark support, built-in examples, commit, confirm, rollback, all that good stuff. So the, the way that we run networks today doesn't change. What we really do is provide you this roadmap to the future, right? I can run SNMP monitoring today while I figure out how to use Prometheus as an on-box agent for streaming telemetry tomorrow. I can configure via CLI today while I go and learn Ansible or Salt and do that tomorrow. Uh, that it's really, we, we get to talk out of both sides of our mouths and keep a foot in both, both worlds of that traditional classic legacy enterprise operations while also saying, look, whatever component of that kind of web cloud, whatever you want to call it, networking of the future, you can embrace just that. You don't have to bite off everything all at once. You can kind of take it piecemeal. Uh, one thing that you, you talked about in there as well that, um, and kind of struck me when I was I was looking at what you guys did um, earlier in the year was this focus around using Linux at kind of the core of, of what you do. Um, you know, and that, that seems to have lots of value in terms of allowing it to be easier for people to adopt what you guys do and also adopt uh, and integrate what you guys do into kind of already standard standard kind of tools now is that is that was that the main driver behind that idea of building the the kind of the infrastructure on a kind of a linux core if you like and was it this idea of easy adoption because people are already used to that kind of environment and and integration with tool sets that they may already use yeah at the birth of cumulus um, you know we've been around for I think like seven or eight years now. But at the birth of Cumulus, it was a lot about looking at the data center and saying, well, if I look, only like 20% of all of the things that I'm configuring in this data center are network. And the other 80% are generally Linux, right? There's still a lot of Windows out there, but, but Linux is the vast majority of the data center operating system. And so what we've done is for that 20%, we've carved out a, an extreme exception on operations and configuration and monitoring and troubleshooting. So the idea was like, well, why don't, why don't we just make it the same? And, you know, the idea is like, look, I'm going to have a storage device and it's going to get configured as a server with certain parameters because it's storage. And I'm going to have a compute device, general purpose compute device, and it's going to get configured with certain parameters and a hypervisor and, uh, you know, a GPU node. And why not just have a network node? And so it's going to have specific parameters and physical topology restrictions and things like that. But why can't I use the same Ansible playbooks? Why can't I use the same salt modules? Why can't I use the same unified monitoring end to end? Um, you know, one of the things that we, we've unfortunately struggled with is talking to customers about automation. They're like, well, what's the Cumulus configuration module for Ansible? And we're like, well, it's it's the Linux ones. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but which one says Cumulus? And we're like, literally all of them. They're, like <laughs> Ansible was built for Linux. Everything on Ansible works for Linux. Therefore, everything works on Cumulus. Uh, you know, one of the, I wrote our documentation on how to, how to install and run Docker containers on our Switch because somebody asked me about it one day. And I'm like, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. I wonder how I do this. So I went to the Docker website and I just followed their instructions to install it on Debian. 
And then I just copy and pasted that into our documentation because there's, there's no difference, right? We're not Linux like we're not, you know, a Linux core. We, we are a full Debian Linux distribution. I can actually take any Debian or Ubuntu repository, put it into my Cumulus switch and then apt-get install a piece of software from anywhere in the world directly onto Cumulus, as long as it understands how to talk to Debian. So, so kind of writing uh, th- those that kind of documentation that does not sound like something a marketing person should be doing. So, uh, <laughs> did you use that just to prove that you was a techie, really? Um, and, and you you just... know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I have to show that it works in both PowerPoint and in a document. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, I like to joke at this point. My my CCIE should just be CCIE PowerPoint, uh, <laughs> but every once in a while I have to go and recertify by actually touching a device. So, so I thought, I mean, on a more serious now, I think what, what's really powerful about the kind of piece you've just said, though, is is that um, almost seamless integration into those tool sets that people are already or, or maybe starting to use more extensively in their organization, whether that's Ansible or, or other automation tools. Um, you know, and I think that was one of the things that struck me in terms of adopting this kind of approach that, that Cumulus have is the idea that actually if I'm adopting that approach, I can adopt that approach across my entire infrastructure you know my, i can take that approach with maybe my software defined storage i can take that with this kind of open networking approach and and i'm increasingly utilizing kind of infrastructure as code or whatever words people want to use to describe it but the idea that basically it's a programmatical delivery because because i think ultimately that's the only way that organization's going to kind of have the flexibility that the, the modern business is demanding. Um, you know, and is, is, is that kind of playing out for you guys as well, that, that that's what you're seeing, that's why people are starting to adopt your approach in terms of, you know, we need to be able to respond quickly and not be restricted necessarily by having to buy the right hardware switch at, at, the, at the wrong price probably a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at um, some of the value prop and, you know, it's, it's interesting for network engineers, things have been so terrible for so long, we almost struggle to, to grasp the idea that it could be less terrible. So one of the things is because we are purely software, um, because we are purely Linux, we actually have to make everything work in the Linux kernel before we push it down to the hardware. And so we don't, we don't jump, past the hard, jump past the software and program the hardware directly. We have a kind of an abstraction layer of the Linux kernel that we have to cross through first. And we look at that Linux kernel as the source of truth for everything. So what that means is that when I remove the hardware, and if I give you a VM of just our software, you still have 100% of the functionality. So VLANs, VXLANs, spanning tree, BGP, whatever it is that's in our product, you have it in our VM. And that that first off ends up being a little a little hard to swallow for network engineers because they're like, wait, 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 but what's the thing that doesn't work? Like ACLs, right? I'm like, no, 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 ACLs are in the kernel. They, those still work just fine. So we get past that, and now I have a piece of software that's fully featured. And the next thing I can do is start to rename my interfaces. So instead of spinning up a four-port VM, and I get ports one, two, three, four, that's not how my data center is cabled up. I cable it up one, two, 16, 48, because of whatever reasons. So now I can rename it, and now I'm maintaining one configuration file for both my virtual test bed and my production environment, as opposed to doing this manual translation. So I have all of my features, I have port to port mirroring or, you know, uh, simulation. And now we actually can take it a step further, right? As we start to reach the top of this mountain, um, I can replicate my entire data center. Uh, We have customers running, you know, 150, 200, 300 switches in a virtual environment. 
Uh, each VM takes like 700 megs of RAM. So again, not four gigs uh, that we're used to, but 700 megs of RAM. I can use traditional hypervisor tools to cluster this or spread this across physical nodes. So if I run out of RAM on one box, I can actually spin up the other half of my topology on another box uh, and keep going. And they can extend things like infrastructure as code that whenever I make a configuration change, I just propose it right before I go into change review that we still can't get rid of. I can actually spin up an entire one-to-one replica of my entire data center, all the same ports, all the same features, push that proposed change against that replica, run a bunch of automated tests, and then have it come back and say, hey, you broke BGP here. Or, you know what, I spun up a couple of uh, SQL instances on either side of the network just to see if they replicate, and you broke SQL replication. Uh, The network was fine, but you did something that broke the server side, that service you're delivering. And so even before we go into change review to see if uh, somebody's going to approve it, you know, before a holiday weekend or, you know, when everybody's out at the company picnic, uh, what we can do is say, well, you, you broke BGP. Why are we even having a conversation about this? Uh, that That's really what we can do today. And we have customers doing that, you know, that and how do you get there stepwise is one of those things we think about. So the long winded answer is there's a ton of value here and. How do you unlock it each piece at a time? And how do you move forward and, and really scale up your operations, your training, your knocks, everything? Uh, it becomes possible once we have tools that are better. Yeah, and I think that, that idea, and it, again, is kind of one of the things that strikes me about this, this entire movement of, of more and more infrastructure deployed with, with code and deployed with software is actually that scenario you've just described, the ability to test that extensively all kinds of all kinds of tests extensively long before you ever start to push out into production and the, and actually when it does push out into production to be able to, to to de-risk massively and to to be able to push out with a with a real certainty that the thing you're pushing they've tested extensively in in kind of your uh, you know lab environment your demo environment that when you push that out to production it's just going to work because it's the same software. The, the hardware it's hitting in production really, really doesn't matter, you know. And I think that's that's hugely powerful. Well, look, as, as we kind of come to the end of our time here, uh, you know, just, just one more question from me really was that if I'm listening to this as somebody with a traditional infrastructure, I've got a very traditional network, you know, I may have it over multiple sites, and, you know, hundreds or thousands of devices connected to it, and, and I'm listening to this, think, well, well, this all sounds interesting and this kind of infrastructure with purpose, you know, I could kind of get get the idea of that. But what, what would be the couple of things maybe that you'd say that if if I'm running a traditional infrastructure, what what are some of the problems that I would look at in that environment that this kind of approach might solve for somebody? I think the answer is anything. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's you know, take off my engineering hat, put on my marketing hat, and just say, oh, of course, we solve all the problems. Um, but at the end of the day, what it is is it's a network device, right? We do spanning tree, we do BGP. It's a one-to-one replacement for the most part for any existing networking device that you have in your infrastructure. But if I look back at my operational history, the places where I struggled was how does something work? What is expected behavior? How do I plan for a change? You know, I I definitely remember having a a war story of sitting through what should have been a two-hour change widow, rolling back at hour 18 and having no idea why we couldn't get the routing to work the way we wanted to. And it was just because I had a fundamental misunderstanding of how OSPF worked. And the reason I ended up in that situation is because I had no way to simulate that. You know, I mean, GNS3 will help me a little bit, but it's still not the same. And so how do I train my knock? How do I understand my changes that are coming up? How do I start to learn automation without touching production devices? 
Um, how do I start to get more data out of my network? How do I start to understand custom changes as opposed to just things that I can pull for via SNMP? And if I want to evolve as opposed to, you know, burn it down and start over, I think that's another one of those things that if you look at a lot of the other things in this space, you know, you have to rip off this Band-Aid and you go from CLI to GNMI and whatever that is, there is no middle ground. And I think one of the things that we're trying to offer is say, look, you don't, you can get there. If you're ready for it, you can jump right there right now. However, if you're not, we can help you provide all of those stepping stones between A and B. And those are the things that I think about as an operator that makes this really attractive to me. Yeah, and I, and I think in a world where, you know, we, we are, our technology infrastructure has ever increasing demands placed upon it for scale, for speed of response, for, you know, this kind of agility, that's a pinch of marketing phrase, you know, the, the, the increasing our infrastructure has all those demands placed on it by, you know, the, 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 the aggressive the aggressive world a lot many of the organizations we work for have to operate in so you know and i think the ability to be able to do that with some of the tools and some of the approaches you've talked about can only be a positive so so i mean if people are listening uh, listening to this and thinking yeah okay I, i'd like to find out more about cumulus and, and cumulus networks and how they work um you know is the ways that they can find out more about you guys maybe even you know maybe even test drive some of the kind of technology you've been speaking about yeah, the easiest way to, to take it for a spin is you can go to cumulusnetworks.com slash CITC, Cumulus in the Cloud. Uh, so it's an online lab service. Uh, we have a free VM called Cumulus VX that I talked about. You can go download it yourself and run it on your laptop if you don't want to use the scary cloud stuff. Um, and then, you know, the other easy way is uh, because I'm in marketing, I spend most of my time not doing real work and just PowerPoint and Twitter. Uh, so you can always reach me at Pete. P-E-T-E-C-C-D-E on Twitter. Uh, DM me, message me, smoke signals, it all works. Yeah. I'll pay. I, I really appreciate time. I think that's been a fascinating conversation. And um, I will obviously uh, shamefully self-promote the uh, the blog articles that, uh, that I put together with you guys as well. So uh, to, to give people a bit more background um, on that. But um, Pete, look, appreciate your time. I think that's been, a, say, a fascinating conversation. And, uh, and thanks for joining the show and look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Paul. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you did enjoy the show, why not subscribe and leave us a review? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. And if you've got an idea for the show or would like to appear, then why not drop me an email? You can email me at podcast at techstringy.com. So, until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>